It is Monday, November 28th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The Eagles run their way to 10-1. and Frustration boils over in Denver. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Aaron Rodgers injured in an Eagles win, 40-33. Josh Jacobs, 300 yards total as he walks off in overtime with a Raiders win. And some more college football teams eliminated. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Let's recap this crazy NFL Sunday Week 12, and we'll start with the game that's fresh in our minds from last night. Sunday Night Football, the Philadelphia Eagles, AJ, run all over the Packers. 40-33, high-scoring affair. Philly rushed 49 times for 363 yards. Oh, big deal. People do that all the time. That's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders each had over 100 yards. Hurts finished with 157 yards. Miles Sanders, 143 yards. First time. 300 combined. First time the Eagles had two 100 yard rushers since last year. Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders in 2020. Not (laughs) quite last year, but 2020. Uh, This is the second most rushing yards in the last 15 years. Somehow the 20th most all time. Those leather helmets love to run (laughs) the football. Uh, But only 153. You're talking about 363 uh, rushing yards, 137 passing yards. So 500 yards of total offense. 137 through the air. That doesn't happen in today's Mm -hmm. NFL. This was a wild performance. Um, And let's face it. This is the end of the Packers. Uh, They now fall to four and eight. Aaron Rodgers is hurt. Jordan Love comes in the game. He throws a nice pass. You score a touchdown with him in there. He was all right. Six of nine passing 113 yards and a touchdown. And you know, you say it's the end of the Packers, which I agree with. with. Rodgers now has the broken thumb. And now an oblique injury. They have to make a decision on Jordan Love. Could this be Jordan Love's time to shine? Sure. Let me, you keep saying it could. Be, you have to make a decision. Let, let's get this out here. How well would Jordan Love have to play for you to sign him to a long-term deal? Well, no, they got to decide whether they're going to pick up his fifth-year option or not. Okay. How, how good would he have to be to pick up his fifth-year option? He's got to show that he can be your starting quarterback next year. Okay, is Aaron, is Aaron Rodgers just going to say, you guys, keep that money? Oh, I'm I, good. I think he's retiring. I, I cannot see Aaron Rodgers playing next year. He doesn't – he doesn't – he – this is an awful year for – and you know what? Maybe he doesn't want to leave this being his last year. But this dude, I've said it from week one, does not look interested. He looks like his mind is elsewhere. Okay, if that's the case, Aaron Rodgers has been not good this year. Packers are four and eight. If Jordan, if you pick up Jordan Love's fifth year option, he's your quarterback next year. I mean, are you are you drafting a rookie in the first round, no matter what, and assuming that's your quarterback of the future? Jordan Love can't be your quarterback of the future. He can't be. Why? You don't know what he. You don't know what he is yet. I, you know what? I do know what he is. He's a guy who's going into his his fifth year. He's going into his fourth. Year. He's going to be too expensive to keep going forward. You cannot afford to keep Jordan Love. Uh, like Jordan Love, Jordan Love might be Tom Brady redo. We'll never find out in Green Bay because they can't afford to keep him there. It just so, doesn't make sense financially. Let's see. This year, he's got a 1.7 million base cap hit of 3.4, 6. million dead cap hit. So obviously, he's on the team this year. Next year, 2023, Jordan Love, $2.3 million base salary. $3.9 million cap hit, dead cool. cap figure of 3.1. Keep him around. Now, the fifth-year option, they have to decide, which would be in 2024. And uh, so that option, the deadline, is probably going to be in May or whatever. Yep. And then, yeah, they got to figure out what they're going to do. So even if they can pick up his option, he doesn't have to be the starter next year. But Don't pick be- up his option. Just let him be the starter next year. If he balls out. Then you sign him long-term. You sign him long-term. You do what the Giants did with Daniel Jones. But I don't think they're going to sign him long-term anyway. I, because, again, 
I mean, he he would have to literally be Tom Brady 2.0 for you to sign him again. It, it's it would be crazy. It, you're much better off finding someone young, fresh, cheap. So Tom Pelissero with an interesting tweet. Almost 15 years ago, November 29th, 2007, Aaron Rodgers replaced an injured Brett Favre in Dallas and set the stage for the transition after the season. Jordan Love replaced an injured Aaron Rodgers in Philly. Through a 63-yard catch-and-run touchdown, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so let's talk about the Eagles. Where are we at on the Eagles right now? Because this is we're, – we're getting in, into a run here where they lose to the Commanders. They eke out a win over the Colts. Mm-hmm. And they – I guess they prob- they basically meet expectation yeah. against the, the Packers. Are we still looking at the Eagles as an elite team, or are they what we call NFC elite, which means you're you're pretty you're second tier anyway? I think that they are the number one seed in the NFC. Okay, I don't see them dropping two more games the rest of the year, and even if they do that, they'll still you know it depends on tiebreakers, but I see this team as being the number one seed in the NFC and then having the bye and home field advantage in the playoffs. And you wonder what team is going to go into Philly late in the year or early in the year in January and beat them. That's the questions. That that will be the question because they will have a home, home field advantage, presumably. A t- the team that's going to beat them is going to be a running team. And the Packers couldn't totally exploit it today, although they did get over five yards per carry. But the Eagles are bad against the run. 31st against the run by success rate. 26th by, against the run by EPA. This is a bad run defense. We knew that coming in, and that's what let the Packers hang around in this game despite having a, a broken quarterback. The question becomes, who in the NFC is that team that's built to beat them? Because you're, you're, the first thing you think is, wow, when the Giants have played well, they run the ball. When the Cowboys have played well, mm-hmm. they run the ball well. Those seem like teams that could give them some problems. I think Jalen Hurts is the X factor. Okay. As he's shown in this game last night, and as he continues to show, his running ability is second to none. You want to say maybe Lamar Jackson is is a better running quarterback? but uh, I, I, I think Justin close. Fields is better. Uh, I think Josh Allen is better. Mm, the Eagles utilize Jalen Hurts perfectly, in my opinion. He doesn't turn the football over when he passes either. He's got 17 passing touchdowns and just three interceptions. He's running the ball. They're utilizing the RPO. And where is he? McKenzie, where is Jalen Hurts in the MVP odds right now? Second, my, uh, Patrick Mahomes minus 140, Hurts plus 340. Yeah, I agree with that. He, this dude is playing the position as good as anybody right now, and I think that his running ability makes this team even more dangerous. That's why they're so good. I just I can't see this team. It's going to be hard watching this team lose at home in January. The problem is we, we've we seen them play a bunch of scrubby teams all season. Yeah, they had this, one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. So The it, easiest. The easiest. Win total, yeah. yep. So at some point – probably come playoff time, mm-hmm. they're going to start to see some good teams. Yeah, the 49ers and if you said the Cowboys. The, and, and what do the 49ers do? That you think they're going to let the 40, they're going to let the uh, Eagles run wild on mm-hmm. them? You don't run wild on the 49ers. Like that's I I think that part of what we're seeing and what, what, oh wow, the Eagles look how the Packers suck at stopping the run. Of course they ran for 3 million yards <laughs> on the Packers. We shouldn't be surprised at that. Why would you do anything else? I think at some point when we see that we've seen this team really play one good team all year. And when they played the Cowboys, they played the Cowboys with Cooper Rush playing quarterback. Yeah. I think, and you know what? I shouldn't say that. They played the Vikings too. I think at worst, the Vikings are a good team. Mm-hmm. So I, I shouldn't say they've only played one good team. And they beat the shit out of the Vikings. So they, they handled their business there. Other than that, like the, the the decent teams that they played, they played the Commanders back in the Carson Wentz days. It sh- it doesn't count. But to also, me. let's let's acknowledge. And then they lost to the Commanders when they didn't have Carson Wentz. Let's acknowledge if the season ended today, the entire NFC East is in the playoffs. Yeah. So it's not. Yes, they are easiest schedule coming in, but this you could argue is the best division in football because right now, all four teams would be in the playoffs. Yeah. And so far, they've played three of those games. They they split with the Commanders and they beat the Cowboys with a backup quarterback. I, I'm not throwing a parade for the Eagles for that. I, I just I, again I think what we saw on defense 
for the Eagles today, it's a little concerning. This Packers team hasn't been putting up 30-something mm. points on everybody. Yeah. The team that struggled to move the ball all year, suddenly they're putting up 33, and the Packers or, or the, uh, the Eagles are having to put up 40 to win games? I don't know. I, I'm just – when I think about the best teams in the NFC, it's to me it's the 49ers are now a clear-cut best team in the NFC. And you could say their record doesn't say that, and I agree, their record doesn't say that. But if you put the 49ers and Eagles on a neutral field and said, who's better, I'm putting my money on San Francisco. They are built for – A, I think they're built for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But they've also – they've been there. They've done it. And they play defense. And in the playoffs, what flies? Defense flies. I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on them on that side of the ball. There is one concern, though, for the 49ers. The 49ers defeated the Saints 13-0 defensively. Played great offensively. Did just enough. Concern, though, Why did I not bet the 49ers? I'm so angry why did myself we all about this. Bet the 49ers? All I do every week is say the Saints suck. I tease them down. The Saints are garbage. 49ers are the best team in the NFC. Oh, why didn't you bet them, AJ? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm so angry about this. Let's talk about this concern, though. Jimmy Garoppolo did get hit. Uh, it looked like in the lower leg, it was called roughing the passer. Right, McKenzie was roughing the passer? It was, oh, yeah. even though by the letter of the law, he was outside he the wa- tackle yes. box area. Yes, he was outside the tackle box. Um, and so, yeah, the, the quarterback doesn't get the low protection when he's outside the tackle box. But when they showed the play in slow motion, Jimmy had a really interesting reaction. I know you saw this, McKenzie, and, and, and you got a little scared because Jimmy grabbed his knee and screamed in pain. Now, he did get up, and he did limp, and he did continue playing the game, but that initial reaction, Mac, had to scare you. Yes, and uh, the limp afterwards, the next couple of plays afterwards, his last throw was completely fat-footed, or his next throw right after that. But knowing Jimmy G, I think a little bit might have been for the refs there. He wanted to get that call, <laughs> and it looked like he tore his ACL. I mean, the way he screamed, that's yeah. some, I've seen it before, so I was happy it wasn't that. So, okay, Uh, do you think that it was – sometimes it could just be the shock of the injury too, right? And then you just – it's the initial scare that gets you, and then you realize, oh, I'm I'm okay. It's kind of like soccer, you know, like a guy guy goes and challenges the ball and then kicks your shin, and you just – Oh, I've been shot. That, that's, what oh. I, that's what I tell people. When you stub your toe, oh, no, you don't I'm, you don't make a little mini. I'm okay. You just start <laughs> screaming because that makes you feel better. So that's what people do. Yeah. So Jimmy's reaction looked like he was in pain, but could have just been at that moment a little bit of fear going into play. But as far as the game is concerned, AJ, 13-0 in a game that felt like it was more of a blowout than just – Two scores, if that makes sense. It felt like that because it was on one side of the ball. It was complete domination. the The Saints could not move the ball at all. Uh, Saints end up with 197 passing yards, 63 rushing yards, under three yards per carry on the ground. It, it was a. It was a, they smacked them around, yeah. and, and then on top of that, the Saints couldn't hold on to the football. So. It, this was a, a real showing for the 49ers defense and who continues to, you know, we, we talked about what are they going to look like. And I, you know what, now in hindsight, now I remember, now that I'm saying this, <laughs> we talked about them coming back from Mexico City. How would they look you yeah. know, on the short week playing at elevation? And they pitch a shutout in the second half. Sure. Everyone's saying, oh, they're going to be tired in the second half. No. You don't get tired of of smacking around a garbage team. That, which, Four by the way, I, shutouts now in the second half. Let me continue. Let me say it again: the Saints are terrible. Stop believing that the Saints are good. The Saints are not going to be good this year. They're dead, dead, dead Saints. Stop it. So here's a uh, 49er defensive stats: six straight quarters without allowing a point. Four <laughs> wow. straight second half shutouts. The number one defense in the NFL in both yardage allowed and points allowed, and they're healthy on offense now. And well, uh, Elijah Mitchell did get hurt, so he's got a a, a sprained MCL, something like that, I think. So, but then again, that's why you got Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, you've you've got a lot of versatility on that thing. I, I, I don't know. I just can't. I can't come up with a. W- would I love it if the 49ers had one of these top tier quarterbacks? Sure. 
But everything else about the 49ers you like more than the other teams in the NFC. Like there's, You look around and you say, okay, where, who's best on defense? Who, who's best? It, it, whatever it is. It, except for who's got the, the quarterback you feel like is going to carry you. Mm-hmm. It's the 49ers. But the rest of the 49ers team, I think the 49ers have a coaching edge. I just I love this 49ers team. It feels like, I, honestly, and if they would have started the season with Jimmy G at quarterback instead of Trey Lance, mm. I, I don't think we'd be talking about seven and four and then being a disappointment right now. I think we're talking about an even better situation. So next week or this week, huge test. Dolphins come into town. This is a good game. This is probably the best game of the week. Dolphins 49ers with all that familiarity between the coaches and players. What do we expect? 49ers a, a th- fight, a fist fight, I hope. Three and a half point favorites. That feels Can, about right to me. Does Mike McDaniel outsmart Kyle Shanahan, or does Kyle Shanahan get past Mike McDaniel? Well, I, I mean, typically I say I'll, I'll I'll go with the master over the student, um, but I don't know. Well, Mike I, McDaniel seems like he was the brains of the operation. Here's what I know. Mike McDaniel's his team's defense is garbage. Like the, the Dolphins have – like when you watch the Dolphins on one side of the ball, you go, man – this is fun. This is exciting. <laughs> this is like this is the kind of thing you can win a Super Bowl with. And then you see them play defense, and it's like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> the 49ers, like, I I don't know. This is the time of year. Once you pass Thanksgiving, I start to look at te- how how teams play defense. And if you can't play defense late season in the NFL, I don't trust your defense in the playoffs, which means I don't trust you to to be a, a championship contender. Miami's in that circle of not trust yet on defense. I, I just I don't like what I see from them. Is is it possible that they they get better? Sure. I, I don't I don't feel great about like letting the Texans back into that game yesterday shouldn't have happened. They were dominating that game. Why? How how do you let that team get back? You should, that team has no pulse. You poke them with a stick, they don't move. Somehow they get right back in. They almost covered the game. Terrible. Let's dive into this Dolphins-Texans game and talk about Tua and the offense doing exactly what they do every single week. Tua, 299 yards, just one touchdown, though. Uh, Jeff Wilson rushed for a touchdown as well, and the defense, (laughs) they scored. This is just, to me, you loved this. You said on the Dream Pod, 14 points, might as well take it. Texans almost backdoored this cover. They did. Dolphins scored 30 points in the first half. They didn't score the rest of the game. Right. I think they kind of realized they didn't have to score for the rest of the game. Well, I mean, it, they put Skylar Thompson in yeah, the game late. This, yeah, let's you know. This was an absolute dominant first-half performance, though, by the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and I think at the end of a Scooby-Doo episode, like if that game were a Scooby-Doo episode mm-hmm. and you'd walked up to Kyle Allen and pulled his helmet off. It's Davis Mills. That's Davis Mills. What? <laughs> it was the same was guy. The Texans are the Texans are the Texans are the Texans. Which, by the way, I you know I, I sent you guys a text yesterday. We got to bet the Browns. We got to bet the Browns opened up minus six and a half, minus seven now. But Deshaun Watson coming back, it's I, I don't understand what is to like about this Texans team. Damian Pierce was that guy. Five carries, eight yards yeah. yesterday. Uh, it, they, there's just there's not much to see here with this Texans team. They are dead the, again. The Dolphins. I think on one side of the ball are elite. They are one of the best offenses in the NFL. I just don't know if I trust them enough on defense, and I don't know if I trust them enough when they get away from home. Next week will be certainly a game that it's going to tell us a lot about, I think, both teams. Can the Niners' defense stop an offense like the Dolphins, and can the Dolphins survive against a much better opponent? This will be a step up in class for the Miami Dolphins for sure. And of note, the the line has moved pretty significantly, at least for this time of the of the week. the uh, the The line on that 49ers game against the Dolphins next week four and a half down to three and a half, probably on the injury of, of or the presumed injury of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, or Elijah Mitchell as well. Just maybe just uncertainty of what's going on. Just kind of hesitancy right now. All right, moving on. The Cleveland Browns get a big overtime win against the Tampa Bay Bucks, twenty-three to seventeen. Nick Chubb runs one in in overtime. The Bucks fall to five and six, but yet still in the mix for the division title. Oh, probably win the division yeah. title. But Tom Brady gave up his family 
for five and six. Congratulations, Tom. Uh, Tom, pretty decent day. 29 of 43, 246 yards and a couple touchdowns. Chris Godwin looked back to his old self. Uh, 110 yards on 12 receptions with a touchdown. But I mentioned Nick Chubb scoring that touchdown. 26 carries, 116 yards and a touchdown. The Bucks defense that's been so great against the run all these years, 5.6 yards per carry allowed. Uh, that's that's not Bucks football. Mm-hmm. It, it, so this Bucks team that that you haven't been able to run on for years and years to give up 189 yards on the ground today. No surprise they lose there to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, to me this was all about the the Bucks never being able to put this game away. Because it was 17-10 for a long time, and there were plenty of opportunities. They had the football. They went three and out, six and out, three and out, three and out before allowing the Browns to get the game-tying touchdown. That's a lot of possession time for you not able to even march down the field and get a field goal out of it to make it a two-score game. They let the Browns stay in this game, and then they deserved it at the end. They got the ball first in overtime. They didn't score. They held the Browns to a, to three and out. All they needed was to get a field goal and win the game. I thought this game was ending in a tie yeah. after they wound up punting again, and then Chubb gets the, the, the touchdown run. The Bucs deserved to lose this game because their inability to put the game away, and I think it's going to be this way in every single Bucs game. We haven't seen them beat anybody decisive, decisively, right? It's not since week one against Dallas. And didn't Dak get hurt in that game? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so what game? Now are... they were, they were, they were putting it on Dallas before Dak okay. got hurt, but they, it's, that's still week one. We're in, we're in week 12. Yeah. There's no other game that, that they win going away that the, the opposing team is never out of it. The saints are horrible, but honestly, I feel like the line is going to be a little bit too inflated for this game. I might consider taking the Saints. Good luck. Okay, good good luck. Tell me which bridge you jump off after the game. Uh, let's the one go. going from Tampa to Clearwater. Okay, Clearwater. that'll work. I think the most competitive game of the day, the Bengals and the Titans. Bengals win 20-16. to 16. Uh, This was... It was a typical Titans game. Like if you said the final score was twenty to sixteen, I would have said I feel real good that the Titans won that game because mm-hmm. that's the kind of game that the Titans want to play. Titans played their kind of game, and this one was it was three nothing, then three three, yeah, ten three, ten ten, thirteen ten, thirteen. Like, didn't it feel like a playoff rematch? It really did. Mm-hmm. Like this was a playoff type of game, uh, and really what it boiled down to at the end was the 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 Bengals got a touchdown to start the fourth quarter. The Titans couldn't punch one in late, and they get that win. This game, with no Jamar Chase, this answered a lot of questions for the Bengals. Uh, Like, what can they do without Jamar Chase out there offensively? And again, it wasn't a great offensive performance for them, missing Jamar Chase, missing Joe Mixon. But they got the job done against a team in Tennessee, which all they've done is just win games. Like, you, you can't put that team away, particularly as an underdog. It's been hard to put them away. Mm-hmm. So this, to me, is a, a big win for the Bengals on the road. Uh, I, I think that they needed this win to start fe- like to start feeling like a contender again. Uh, so right now, both these teams sitting at 7-4, and four, both of them with lots of flaws for sure, but both probably playoff teams. So when the Titans had the ball, fourth and five at the Bengals' 20-yard line with six minutes left. Mm-hmm. Would you have gone for it? They're down. No. They're down 20 to 13. They're down seven. No. Not in a game like that where it feels like you, your defense is playing so well. You're, so you, you think you're going to get the ball again. Yeah. But, I, they, but they didn't get the ball again. They, they didn't. Now, but, but you, you, again, at that point, you have to look at what have we done all game? Uh-huh. We've held them in check. You can't just look at it and go, well, I so, assume so now I, they're about to start tearing us up. So I, my, I would have considered going for it because the prior two drives – you allowed the Bengals to go 14 plays and 60 yards down the field in five minutes. Maybe so. And they then you allowed down. them to go six plays and 75 yards in two minutes in the in the previous two drives. At that point, I think I'm better off with my offense trying to gain five yards than trusting my defense because guess what? If I don't get it, I still have to trust my defense. And now if I kick the field goal, which they did – the best case scenario was that they stopped the Bengals, but they were not able to stop the Bengals. So they wound up holding them to a field goal. 
the Bengals make the field goal, but there's a penalty that nullifies it, so then they can just take the knees and end the game. But let's say they don't even get that penalty. They get the football back with zero timeouts left, under two minutes left in yeah, the game, minute and they still need a touchdown just to tie. So to me, at with six minutes left, I would have been aggressive there, and I would have gone for the first down. Maybe so. Uh, it's, I, I think it's a, a reasonable call either way. Fourth and five, it just feels like – and it was third and fifteen, if you remember. Yeah. So they got a big play. Like if you, if you don't have a penalty on that play or on that drive, I think maybe you you do something like that. But uh, th- that's a tough call. You have to get points there. I feel like you had to get some points. I don't know. In hindsight, it sure is easy to say, mm-hmm. yeah, they probably should have gone for it. But good I, win I, for the Bengals. It was a good win for the Bengals. So kudos to them uh, and the Titans. Uh, like I said, a team that this is probably the kind of game they were hoping to get. Bengals just a little bit better. The Jets blow out the Chicago Bears 31-10. Mike White. The three, man. 315 yards, three touchdowns. God, is, is Zach Wilson thrown three touchdowns all year? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that Mike White's a long-term answer to anything. Here's what I know. Zach Wilson stinks, and there is maybe not a team in the league, and th- that includes teams like Kansas City and Buffalo, that are more quarterback dependent than the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears, their entire identity is tied to Justin Fields. Like mm-hmm. the, Justin Fields has made this team a slightly below average football team. Without him, they are dreadful. They traded away every good piece they had on defense, and they don't have any good pieces on offense. And it's the whole their whole game plan this season has been. Hey Justin, make some cool shit happen. Yeah, and when Justin's it's not like there watch, to make like, cool like, shit happen, it's like watching a high school football game. It really yeah. is, and if they if he's not there to make it happen, it just doesn't happen. I used to joke around in my high school that it was it was it was the same play every time, and so the play by play announcer from the booth could just uh, put like the same play on on a like a tape cassette tape. That's how old I'm, and then just add in the yardage. So like the Bears can do the same thing. They can just go Justin Fields on the keeper for. 17 yards. <laughs> Justin Fields on the keeper for four yards. Because hey, that's every play. McKenzie has some stats on Zach Wilson, uh, who, like I said, Mike White, three touchdowns today. How many How many three touchdown games has Zach Wilson had in his career, McKenzie? 0.0. In how many starts? 20 starts. It's kind of like the first game of the season when Joe Flacco threw for 300. Like, I wonder how many times Zach Wilson has done that. Oh, he's oh, never done that. Never, never was. Yeah. Not, never and, and, and last year, uh, Mike White had a three-yard, a three-touchdown game in his first start against the uh, the Bengals last year. So, I wait, wait, let me do quick math. That's that's at least two more than Zach Wilson yes. has yes. in his whole career. And I really think if you look at this Bears or this uh, Jets team and you look at what they've got outside the quarterback position, you have to say, this is it for Zach Wilson. I don't think you see Zach. I don't think you see Zach Wilson on the field again this year. No, you, you most certainly do not. Because if you, the only way you would is if they're losing games under Mike White, which yeah. would just be terrible anyway. But you know what? Yeah, Mike White is better than Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Joe Flacco is better than Zach yeah. Wilson, and like he, Zach Wilson is the third best quarterback on a team that doesn't have a good quarterback. The players are responding to. I talked about this all. Uh, last week, it, it, this was about the team. It wasn't about – yes, it was about Zach Wilson, but it was more about the team and salvaging this season for them because these players are so frustrated. We're so frustrated with Zach Wilson. They, It was visible. It was audible. They were saying it. They were showing it. And look who comes out of obscurity in this game yesterday. Elijah Moore. Two catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Garrett Wilson had a monster game. There was one pass. Uh, Mike White left him high and dry over the middle. He took a big pop. What happened? Mike White goes right over to him and apologizes for it. And Garrett Wilson just taps him on the head and says, all good, all good. There's a respect level now. The, the team is fired up at 7-4. and four. Playoffs are in sight for these Jets. The Atlanta Falcons fall to the Washington Commanders on a last-second interception as the the Falcons looked like they were going in to win this game. This was a tough way to lose Falcons plus three and a half or Falcons plus four, whatever line that you got. I don't know. I had Commanders minus four, so I don't know about that. Okay. (laughs) Because... They are the perfect ending is what I thought. Because they are going in to score. Oh, no doubt. And then... From the four-yard line, 
Mariota's pass is tipped up in the air and then, you know, picked off. It's like, dude, just 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 run the dang ball. Remember, remember the scene from the Sandra Bullock scene from uh, the blind side? Run the dang ball. Yeah. And that's what they should have done. I'll be honest. My my whole analysis, my whole handicap on this game was Washington's been so good against the run. Atlanta can't do anything but run. Atlanta's going to have a hard time moving the football. And, and at the end of the day, you look up the Falcons had 13 points. That's that's probably what I would have projected. But they ran for 5.8 yards per carry, 167 yards mm-hmm. on 29 carries. 29 carries, 25 pass attempts for Marcus Mariota. They were much more balanced than I expected. And Mariota stunk. I mean, no, no shocker, he wasn't very good. But he gave them a chance to win at the end. The interception sealed it. But the... I was probably on the wrong side of this thing. The, the commanders did not play well enough to cover this game. So I, I feel like I may have gotten away with one there. But you know what? It's another win now and another cover for Taylor Heineke. All this dude does is win football games and cover football games. And now the commanders have a really weird part of their schedule where they're going to play the Giants in back-to-back games. They're going to play the Giants. They're going to go on their bye week. Then they're going to play the Giants again. Uh, this one's going to be really interesting to see what happens first up coming up on Sunday. The, the commanders are actually favored at MetLife Stadium. Sam Darnold outplays Russell Wilson. God, I never thought I'd say that out loud. The Panthers beat the Broncos 23-10, to and some drama unfolds on the Broncos' side. Oh, dude, this was unbelievable. And, and it's kind of like what we saw from the Jets and – Zach Wilson, right, where the players are just frustrated, where you can see people analyzing the game film. You watch the wide receivers at the end of a play. They're just they're they're visibly frustrated. They're they're shaking their hands. They're shaking their heads. They're they're screaming. And that's what happened here uh, yesterday when cameras caught defensive tackle Mike Purcell yelling at Russell Wilson as he's going off the field. And this was it didn't look good, AJ. No. And you know what else doesn't look good? The dead cap numbers next to Russell Wilson for the next three years. One hundred and seven million, eighty-five million, fifty million. That's the next three years after this one. This is one of it, I mean, listen, we've seen Russell Wilson have success in this league before, obviously. But Russell Wilson going into his age thirty-five years, you know, his thirty-five season next year. I mean, this could end up being one of the worst contracts in NFL history unless there's some massive turnaround turnaround from Russell Wilson here because I, I haven't seen this steep of a drop-off. I, I don't remember the last time I saw something like this. Here's the quote from Purcell, uh, who had just got flagged for a penalty on a field goal. He said, Frustration. We all want to spark on something. We are all in this together, period. That's the quarterback of our offense. They're about to take the field. Obviously, the defense wasn't doing our job, but got to get a spark somewhere. They're about to take the field. That's all it was, end quote. So maybe. So do you think that he was running off the field going like, hey, good luck, buddy. This. You good got job. this, pal. Go. I appreciate that you're going to try your hardest this time, Russ. <laughs> yeah. I know you care a lot right now. Or was it more like, hey, Bleep and do something. Please. I think he looked at him and right dead in the eyes and said, let's ride. <laughs> let's ride. Broncos the Broncos, seven of the last eight games they have lost. That one win, a home win Ugh. against the Jags. So didn't you give a stat during the Dream Pod that if the Broncos. Oh, that wasn't even a home game. It was in London. That if the Broncos had scored a certain amount of points, they would have all these wins. Like is that is that still true? Yeah. No. Well, no. Because if they'd scored 18 points the last two weeks, they would have lost those games. The How Raiders about if, and they the sc- Panthers. if they scored 24 points? If they scored 24 points, I believe they'd they, have one loss on the year. I, I don't know that they'd have one. Oh yeah, they would. Have, they would have that first game and, of the Raiders. And the Raiders game. This is how they always do this stat. In regulation, if they would have scored eighteen, that would have been a win. Yeah, yeah, 16, yeah. 18. So, yeah, this is uh, <laughs> the offense is is it, it was really nice of Purcell to say that you know the defense wasn't doing their job at the time. Think about this though. This is the last. If you go back the last seven games, really, oh my God! If you go the whole season, they've given up sixteen points, sixteen point no sixteen points, nine points, ten points, twenty three. That's the big number. 
nine. Mean? Yeah, 32. Nine, 16, nine, 17, 17. Uh, like the defense is doing their job. The but offense. Said, they, all, all, if they can just score three touchdowns in a game, which a lot of NFL teams can do. They would be not just a winning team. They'd be have one of the best records in the league. We've talked about this. The Broncos are one of the best defenses in the league. Yes. If you're one of the best defenses in the league, all you need is for your offense to have a pulse to be competitive. And their offense has no pulse. It's, it, they're it's dead. It's so bad. Right now, the Broncos are the 15th seed out of 16 in the hey, AFC. But good news you still have both games left with the Chiefs. You still have the Chargers. And next week, you get the Ravens on the road coming off a loss. So I'm sure everything gets better. <laughs> oh, I'm sure everything gets better for the Broncos. And that's the worst part. The Broncos are going to be like 5-12 and 12 and not be able to use their first-round pick on a quarterback to fix their offense. Ugh. The Broncos may be like, I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett sees year two. I don't know if he can see year two. The Jaguars Edge the Ravens 28-27 with a gutsy decision by Doug Peterson to go for two at the end. I thought it was the right call. It's a what do you have to lose in that? Let's spot? lump let's lump in this game with the Chargers Cardinals game because the same finish. Essentially, the Chargers win 25-24 on a late two-point conversion. And these are two teams, like the Chargers. They were desperate for a win to make the playoffs. They feel like they've got a chance to make the playoffs. They're at 500. Jaguars know they're not making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So both teams with very different goals this season doing the same thing. I think at some point we're just going to have to admit it, it makes analytical sense to go for it. I think now two-point conversions are better than 50%. And it, I think most teams are starting to say, you know what? Why leave, why leave it to a coin toss? See, that's the thing. So I which would, is exactly yeah. McKenzie. Are, help me out. Are coin toss is still fifty percent. There are some theories about the heavier weighted tails in the NFL coin. Maybe fifty point one percent for tails, forty nine point nine for heads. Okay, but it's pretty close. Depends, it's close to it depends, on a coin it depends if there's like a raised engraving on one side. Exactly. So, so they feel memorial like memorial coins. Yeah. If we're fifty five percent to score this two point conversion. Why leave it to a 50-50 coin toss to see if we get the ball in overtime? Just, I like it. It's not just that. What I've always heard from coaches is that you make the decision there as to what's your best opportunity to win the game with your best offensive play from the two-yard line, or can you survive giving the other team another possession? Well, Because you can't assume that you get the ball first in overtime and then the whole thing. And if you feel like giving the football back to the Ravens, your defense would not stop them from going down the field and scoring, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal, whatever it is, your best chance might be with that one play from the two-yard line. So let's think about it this way. If you're the Jaguars, you're, let's say you're, you're Doug Peterson, and you look around the field, who's the best football player in the building today? Yeah, Lamar Jackson. You look. Is he on your sideline no. or the other sideline? He's on the other sideline. So you say. I'm sorry. The best player, the best football player, was Justin Tucker. Thank you. Uh, so <laughs> God, he almost beat him. What a, what a cruel punishment 67? that would have been. But he missed a fourth quarter field goal. How good is he? Uh, well, listen, it was 67. Years. There were there were literally people giving him shit on Twitter about missing a field goal. It's like 67 it yard try. You know who I blame? I blame Lamar Jackson and Oliver because they they completed that pass for 12 yards. If it would have been 14 yards, it's good. The kick is good. <laughs> but I will say, when you look across the field and you see, okay, they've got Lamar Jackson, we don't want him to touch the ball again. Let's try and end it now. When you're the Chargers, who's the best field? Who's the best player on the field in that game? It's Dick Justin. Her- it's Justin Herbert. He's on your team. <laughs> okay, let's put the ball in the best player's hands and see if we can make something happen. And in both cases, it ended up working. Again, it, it, the the best player. Uh, on the Ravens, almost won the game for him, Justin Tucker. But uh, I think smart decisions by both coaches. Uh, the Ravens, it feels like they've just not been themselves of late on offense. They've got a lot of injuries. I, I don't know. Like even defense, If you told me defensively the, the, the Ravens were going to go up 28 points today, I would have said, oh, what? Yeah. Because the Ravens' defense has really kind of turned a corner. This was a bad day for them. Trevor Lawrence, I, I guess credit where it's due, we, we – Kick Trevor Lawrence when he's down plenty. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence played one of the best games of his career yesterday. But even still, the Ravens had the had a seven point lead and gave up a touchdown with fourteen seconds left. If they had to defend 
14 seconds. Well, it had been two minutes. Yeah. Because that's what, I mean, the, the, the Jags got the ball back with two mm-hmm. minutes to go. And let's face it, the way Trevor Lawrence was playing yesterday. And they also remember uh, the after it was 19-10 Baltimore when Gus Edwards fumbled. And that led to, or after the, uh, the excuse me, it was 19-10, Jacksonville got the touchdown. And then Baltimore fumbled yeah. on their first play that led to a Jacksonville field goal to go up 2019. Or else, you know, who knows if Baltimore scores on that drive, they're up two. They could turn it into a two-possession game right there. At McKenzie says Baltimore was 76% fourth quarter win share, one of the highest for a losing team. Yeah, this and I season. think McKenzie, would that take would that turnover come into play there and factoring that? Well, because, it was in the fourth quarter, so yeah, yeah. Because they had an opportunity, like I said, if they don't turn if they don't fumble on that play and they go down and, and score a touchdown, it's a two-possession game, they don't lose. Because there's just not enough time. There's not enough possession. Well, because the, the Jaguars were able to put up 10 points in like a two-minute span yes. in the middle of that quarter. It doesn't happen without that fumble. It does factor that in. And just to put it in perspective, there's one team all season with a higher chance to win that didn't win. That was the Browns with their back-to-back onside kicks versus the Jets in Week 2. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, and we mentioned the the Chargers taking care of business against the Cardinals, two-point conversion in overtime. It's actually a pretty good game, pretty well-contested. I think Justin Herbert's starting to look more like Herbs, like my guy. Yeah. Uh, Listen, as a Justin Herbert fantasy owner, uh, this was the best performance of the season, I think, from him. Maybe week one against the Raiders. I feel this I, it was, was pretty good that game against the Chiefs, the first game against the Chiefs that he won and he got hurt and hurt. Yeah, him, but, yeah, uh, true. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll give him that one. But as it well. was a loss. This yes. is a win. But so this was, it changes everything. This was just complete Herbert. The only thing he didn't do was throw for over 300 yards. Like this was com- three touchdowns, no interceptions. In con- You felt that every time he took a snap, he was going to make the right decision with the football. Well, this was a matchup of one of my favorite quarterbacks against. Maybe my least favorite quarterback in Kyler Murray. <laughs> and here's what Kyler Murray had to say uh, about losing that game yesterday. Um, no, it wasn't. That wasn't for Hop, actually. Um, schematically, I mean, they kind of, we, we were kind of fucked. So Kyler Murray there, I don't know if you were able to make that out. Uh, schematically, we were kind of effed. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a guy who's saying, you know what, this is on me. The loss was on me. It's, it sounds more like, this is Cliff's fault, guys. This isn't my fault. Cliff did this. Mike, this might go down, and we've said it before. Mike O'Down is one of the worst contract extensions that we've seen, given Kyler all this money. I, I, I didn't get it at the time. I don't get it now. Uh, he and Russell Wilson, uh, it, boy, undersized quarterback, suddenly not looking so good. <laughs> I, I'm not looking to pay the next get the next guy under six foot tall. Not for me. No thanks. Uh, but the Chargers move to six and five. The Cardinals fall to four and eight. I still think the Chargers, the path is there for them to make the playoffs. It's been a disappointing season, no doubt. Injuries have had a lot to do with that. But they, I still think they make the playoffs, and I still think nobody is saying, oh, you know who I want to play in the, in the playoffs? The seven-seed Chargers. Yeah, I don't think anybody nope. wants that. Kansas City Chiefs, 26-10. to 10, And you think, wow, 16-point win. Not as dominant as it sounds. They did cover. Was it, what was the fu- the closing number? Was it 16? 15 and a half. Good shoppers get cashed. Yes, 16, yeah. 15 and a half. I was going to say, I feel like if you if you wanted to cash with the Rams or w- with the uh, the Chiefs, you should have cashed. This could have been. This is one of those where I'm curious to see what like the, the, the other analytical scores would be for this game because it could have been so much worse. There were uh, the the Chiefs kicked two field goals from the inside the five yard line. Yeah, at the end of the game, like they had the they had the one possession. At, both of them came after interceptions, so they had this score was twenty to ten. Could have easily been thirty four to ten. But if this game were thirty to ten, those are situations where the Chiefs go for it because they feel like they got nothing to lose. This was a tight game, which made the Chiefs feel like getting three points when they could get them was was important. Just make it multiple possessions, just extend the lead. Because you knew the Rams weren't going to score. No, the Chiefs were not sharp today. uh, They didn't have to be. Bryce Perkins looked like maybe he started to figure some things out in the second half, and he was like, you know what? I'm just going to – I'm going to let my nuts hang and just kind of fling it around the park – and it cost him a couple interceptions in the second half. 
maybe partly his fault, tip balls, but either way, Bryce Perkins not good enough to get the job done. Did you see Sean McVay got clobbered by his oh, own player? Oh, boy. Yeah, and he was he like, took, oh, my jaw kind of he, he took a shot from yes. his own player on the sideline. Yes, he did. And probably the best offensive play of the game was the uh, the fake the fake punt from uh, yeah. Riley Dixon, which, again, that was a moment in the game where it felt like, oh, my God, the Rams have some life here. I think this was just one of those situations. Chiefs knew they were going to win the game didn't feel like a, a need to go mm-hmm. out and get real margin, which is why I didn't want to play the Chiefs this week. And the fact that it lands right on the number, that, that tells you quite a bit. The Eagles had a great rushing performance, but also so did Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. The Raiders defeating the Seahawks in overtime 40-34 on a walk-off 80-yard touchdown 86-yard touchdown, excuse me, by Josh Jacobs, who finished the day with 229 rushing yards to go along with 74 receiving yards. Uh, My math isn't that great, but that's over 300 all-purpose yards for Josh Jacobs in the Raiders' 40-34 win over the Seahawks. And there was a moment in that game, late in that game, when it was 27-34 when the Raiders were trying to go in and score. First and goal, three minutes left to go. And the Raiders fumbled the ball. And Seahawks jump on the ball, and they said they're not going to review it. Like they said he was down or forward progress had been stopped. He was dead. Clear fumble. Seahawks clearly recovered. Mm-hmm. What happens? Of course, the Raiders go in and, and score. And well, then, the of fix course, in. win in overtime. But very, very odd. But they they the refs, let's just say the refs missed some calls that went the Raiders way uh, is what it felt like. This was a very entertaining game. Geno Smith, I thought he played really well. He had 328 yards and two touchdowns. Derek Carr, 295 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. He did get hurt early on. I thought he was going to come out of the game and we were going to see a Jared Stidham game, but Carr stayed in and uh, Josh Jacobs really, what a game that he had. Even before the 86-yard run, he had himself a fantastic day. And well, then, of course, when you don't count the fumble. Yes, and then he, ca- <laughs> and then he capped it off with that big run in overtime. Uh, Kenneth Walker had a big boy touchdown where he was backpedaling into the end zone and his offensive linemen were pushing him in. I think that both the Raiders and the Seahawks are tough outs. Uh, I know the Raiders have had a very down season. Back-to-back wins now has the team feeling pretty confident, and they're the type of team that even though they're 4-7, and seven, they might not make the playoffs, I still think they're a team that you will be annoyed to play against every single week. I think. Well, I think that's been the case all all season. Yeah. Like even when they were losing all these games, they've been they've they've never been not in things. Uh, but the Seahawks losing this game kind of puts them on on the outside looking in because you mentioned earlier in the show the the NFC East and how basically everybody mm-hmm. in the NFC East is in position to make it. This is the first time this season that the Seahawks have been on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, yeah. sitting at 6-5. and five. And, of course, somebody from the NFC South has to take a spot. But Seahawks, I still think, like you said, one of the one – I think if you wrote down the seven best teams in the NFC, the Seahawks are one of them. Seven best teams don't always make the playoffs. Cowboys so. are going to win double-digit games and then have to travel – to go to like a Tampa Bay Bucks team that is 500 and wins the division. The Seahawks have to make hay the next couple of weeks. They they're at the Rams next week and then host the Panthers the week after that. Those are must wins cuz then you get 49ers at Kansas City, home Jets, home Rams to close the season. So two games that they really need coming up here against the Rams and the Panthers. Monday Night Football will wrap up Week 12 tonight with the Steelers at the Colts. Indy, short favorites here, two and a half points. Do the Steelers get the job done on the road? Do the Colts, uh, you know, keep this positive momentum going with Jeff Saturday? What's your thoughts, AJ? My thoughts are if I see a three, I'll like the Steelers. I I got burned a little bit on the Steelers last week. I felt like things were really suddenly turning around for them. Um, and they got beat by the Bengals, who, let's face it, are a much better team. I don't know that the Colts are a much better team. I will say this. I, I've, I've stood by that with T.J. Watt, the Steelers' defense is just a different animal. I do believe that. 
And this Colts offensive line has struggled all season long to keep their quarterback upright. So I feel like the defense can do their part. The question is, can Kenny Pickett do enough to keep them in this thing? I, I lean, really, if anything, to the under in this game. The, uh, what's the total right now? 39 and a half. That's low. Well, yeah, it's a well, Steelers-Colts yeah, game. Yeah, I, I can see it happening. McKenzie, is, do you think that we're going to get a three out there? I know it was three, and it went down to two and a half, which would show me that there's money coming in on the Steelers. Do you think we get back up to three somewhere? No, if anything, it's been trending down closer to two yeah. and a half flat. So more people are coming in on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, and I, I think, again, much like I said with Carolina the other day, the Steelers are a great part of a, a, a tease. Yeah. I think Steelers plus two and a half to eight and a half. The problem is now – You've got to lock up your money for a little while because the next mm-hmm. chance you'll have to tease it is Thursday. next week. So well, you can do Thursday. You can do a Monday Thursday teaser. Yeah, I guess so. But either way, the the Steelers a good and a good Wong teaser candidate at plus two and a half. Uh, but I think if anything, I I just lean to the under here. Fez says all the time, don't do this. This might be a situation where I would tease the Steelers with the total. And, you know, Steelers with the uh, – tease the Steelers to the under. You know something? It's – it's. I feel like, McKenzie, we should run the numbers on this. If you did that with every primetime game, because you know primetime unders are a thing. Yeah. Right? So – and we've seen underdogs do so well this year. McKenzie, I wonder if we can run numbers on every primetime dog and the under on a six – I guess we'll do a six-point tease. Yeah, that works. Is that fair? Just for this season? Just for this season. Yeah. So every every primetime underdog and six-point teaser on them and the total going under. Slightly profitable if you're betting these 18 out of 35 entering the game, but unders by themselves have been like 60% in primetime, so that's probably the way to go. At least it has been. And in this situation, you'd be going from 39.5 to 45.5, and and of the six – most frequent numbers, you're you're going through four of them right there. 40, 41, 43, and 44, six of the most frequent numbers to land in the NFL. So you're you're teasing. I know Wong teasers, you want the three and the seven. The key, those key numbers matter more than anything. Mm-hmm. But if you were to, to make the list of Wong teaser total numbers, you're you're going through a lot of good ones right here. I don't I don't hate this play. I really don't. I don't hate this play at all. Fez is going to be so mad at me, but I might end up doing it. Yeah, well, we're Dumbos. Well, yeah. Yeah, we are Dumbos. This could be a Dumbo square ball play. Yeah. What do you think, McKenzie? Is this a Dumbo move, something you would do? It's just a rule of thumb. You don't tease totals is what what I've heard. I've heard for so many years. I agree. Uh, I'm probably going to end up doing it. You know, you could have. I know somebody that – no, it's not me, but I know somebody that teased the total of the – uh, Rams and uh, Chiefs game. Mm-hmm. They teased it down to 36 and took the over. Okay. What was the final score? Uh, I don't remember offhand. That would be 26 20... to 10. Oh, it was right at it. So oh. it was at 36. And in a two team teaser. To push? No. Oh, they lost? Ties lose. Oh, it depends. No. You have to look at your, book, your book's rules. But in this case, the tie was a lose, it was a loss on this. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. Don't tease totals. We'll see. I might tease it anyway. We'll, we'll see how we'll feel. We'll see how froggy I'm feeling later on this evening. You never know. We've reached championship week in college football. AJ on Tuesday we will have the penultimate. That's a great word. Penultimate like college football playoff rankings. Right now, your top four in the AP poll, which will be the top four in the playoff rankings: Georgia one, Michigan two, TCU three, USC four. I don't think the committee does anything opposite of those four in that order. Would you agree? I agree completely. And the way it stands right now, uh, and this is per 538, the chance to make the playoffs, Michigan 97%, Georgia 92%, TCU 71%, USC 47%. That's contrary to what ESPN College Football tweeted out today. Yeah, I didn't understand that tweet tweet at, at all. This is the scenario from yours truly, Scott Seidenberg, who is on the college football playoff committee. I mean, I'm not, but I should be. Georgia is in regardless. No matter what happens. SEC championship they're in. Michigan is in regardless. Win or lose in the Big Ten championship game. Now, some people might be saying, but why, Scott? Why? Well, it's simple. 
if Michigan loses the Big Ten championship game, they would drop out of the number two seed, where they would likely be in a discussion with the team to be four or five. The team that they would be in the discussion with would be Ohio State, who they, who they just beat head to head. Therefore, Michigan would drop from two to four and still be in the college football playoff with a loss in the Big Ten. Michigan championship and game. Georgia are playing for nothing this week. Nothing but seeding. Correct. That's it. They're win- They're both in. TCU. If TCU loses the Big 12 championship game, do they still have a chance to get in? Do they have a chance? Yes. Do they? I would say no. So the argument would be if TCU loses, you have 12-1 and TCU going up against 10-2 and Alabama, 11-1 and Ohio State. I think either one of those teams with the brand names gets in. Unfortunately, I think that might be the case. USC. If they lose, are they out? They're out. They're out. Okay. Yeah, you can't lose two games in the Pac-12 and be in. Yeah, you, okay. they'd be out. So USC wins, and they're in. And by the way, it's the best case scenario to ever happen to USC because their opponent in the Pac-12 championship game is Utah, which means that USC gets an opportunity to avenge their only loss of the season, which was to Utah on a two-point conversion at the end of the game. Yeah. Think about that. USC. Everyone's like, oh, Pac-12, I don't know if USC should get in. I don't know if USC should get in. If, if, if Cameron Rising doesn't get into the end zone and convert the two-point conversion, or excuse me, that, uh, or, or, that doesn't, and he doesn't convert the two-point conversion there with 48 seconds left in that game, USC is undefeated, and there's they might be number two. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so if USC now wins and avenges that loss, so that means they beat every team on their schedule, there's no doubt in my mind this team gets in. In fact, I think this team might leapfrog over TCU and go to number three. Yeah, I don't know Although, about that. Although you're not going to put a one-loss team over an undefeated team. So that's I guess that, that would be the discussion there. Yeah, but either way, USC is, enough, again, enough of a brand name that if they have a one-loss season, they win the Pac-12, they're getting in. I don't know who they could put in over them. No, there's no one. So the debate is now, if USC or TCU were to lose, and let's say it, both of them could lose. Oh, certainly. If both of them do lose, I actually— That gives TCU some life. I think one of those two has a chance to get in. USC won't get in with two losses. No no chance. Even if both losses are to Utah. It, it, yeah, they It's kind of like one loss. Yeah, they can't, they can't get in with two losses. There's never okay. been a two-loss team before. It's not going to be from the Pac-12. Okay, that's fine. So if T- if both of them lose, TCU could still get in at number four. I, I think so. And then Ohio State or Alabama would be number three. Yes, and I would make the argument it should be Alabama over Ohio State. Now, I State. agree. Now, I, I got into a Twitter war with people this week, but I, I will stand by this. Two-loss Alabama, even though right now in the AP poll, is behind Ohio State. I'd be very curious what the committee does because, in my opinion, two and both of these teams are done. There's no more games for both of these teams, so their resumes are complete. But two-loss Alabama, in my opinion, has a better resume than one-loss Ohio State. Alabama lost two games on the road in two of the most difficult stadiums in the country to play in. One, a loss in Death Valley on a two-point conversion in overtime. Two, a loss in at Neyland Stadium on a walk-off field goal. That is more impressive, and it's hard to say a loss is impressive, but to me that's better than getting blown out by three scores on your own home field. I, I don't disagree. Like they, they just weren't competitive in that game. And show me what's Ohio State's best win this year. The win over Penn Notre State. Dame? Yeah, maybe. I, I, I don't know. You win, you, you win 21-10 over Notre Dame, who started the season out so badly, and then they fell off, right? The win over Penn State's probably the best win. You're I think right. it is. Going to, going to Happy Valley and beating Penn State. That's a, okay, good win. Alabama, all right, they beat Arkansas. Good team in the SEC. They beat Ole Miss. I know Ole Miss fell off, but good team in the SEC. They beat Texas. They beat Texas. That's a great win. They beat... Texas A&M, terrible season. They beat Mississippi State. Like this is this these teams and people want to say it's SEC bias. No, it isn't. These teams are better. 
The Big Ten sucks outside <laughs> of the three teams in the eastern side of that conference. Yeah. Outside of Ohio State. I mean, Purdue's playing for the Big Ten championship. That tells you all you need. Exactly. The conference is shit. In the SEC, just look right now. In the Big Ten right now, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are ranked in the top ten. It's great. I'm talking about in the uh, Associated Press. Okay. Okay? There's no other team in the Big Ten that is ranked. That's it. No. The next best team is Purdue. Okay. Eight and four Purdue. There's no other team that is ranked. In the SEC, Georgia, number one team in the country. Alabama, number six. Tennessee, number seven. LSU, number 11. Uh, what do we have? We have South Carolina, number 20. Mississippi State, number 25. And those last two are going to be moving up. <laughs> I, I'm just, I, I'm just saying, like, the, there's, it's right there in front of you. Yeah. I give Alabama more credit for those two close losses than I can to Ohio State for getting blown out at home. It, it's just a, it, that if that game had stayed close, and let's face it, that game was close until halftime. You know, it was a 27 20, or a, excuse me, 20, 20 to 17 game at halftime, and really 24 20 going into the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. if that game ends 24-20... Different story. Different story. Michigan just running it down their throat mm-hmm. for the entire fourth quarter? No. On your home, I'm sorry, On your friend. home turf, it's as ugly a loss as you can find. It might be the worst loss in the country. And by the way, well, you know what? I don't know because Clemson losing to South Carolina right now, we're talking about all these scenarios. Yeah. Clemson would be in the perfect... In the catbird seat. Sure. Oh, one of you guys screws up. Guess what? We're here. I, but I, but honestly, how you but lose no, that game? But North Carolina losing as well crushes their opponent. So the winning winning the ACC title doesn't look as good. I still think a one loss Clemson would have gotten in over a, a over a one loss TCU or yeah. a, 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 yeah, a they, two they loss USC. They, I, they would just have because a of their pedigree. I think You're they right. I think they get in. You're right. But losing that game to South Carolina by one point, mm-hmm. it, you can't do it. You cannot, you can't overcome that. So there were some really brutal losses for teams this this last weekend. Clemson, Ohio State, sitting right there at the top. And really, let's let's throw LSU in this mix because if LSU had won, they would have a chance. LSU yeah. would have been playing right. this weekend for the nat- for for a shot at the playoff. Yeah, because right, if LSU upsets Georgia this week, it doesn't it, matter. It, does a LSU's tree fall in the forest? In. No one cares. Yeah. Oh, the SEC champ. Guess what? The SEC champ wouldn't make the playoff. I think it was. It was probably 50-50, maybe 55-45 for the SEC champ to make the playoff with two losses. Mm -hmm. Now, if LSU wins the SEC championship with three losses, there's 0.0 chance they make the playoff. They're behind Alabama. Mm -hmm. That's that's just where they're at right now. So uh, brutal losses for some teams in college football this weekend. And I think that's the biggest thing that we will see from the committee and we will hear what the committee says on Tuesday, and we'll break this down on the College Football Dream Pod this week once we find out from the committee where Alabama and Ohio State rank. If Ohio State's five and Alabama's six, I'm going to have some real questions. If Alabama's five and Ohio State's six, it's going to be like I say and like AJ says, which is going to be the right answer. We got a big NBA schedule, uh, six hockey games, World Cup action as well. Let's set the stage with a quick Monday look ahead. Now you're going to go through all the NBA games today. Give you some of the ones with the closer spreads. The Cleveland Cavaliers, one-point dogs at the Toronto Raptors. The Phoenix Suns, one-point dogs at the red-hot Sacramento Kings. And the L.A. Lakers. Four-point favorites at home against the Pacers. The Lakers have now won five straight after an abysmal start to the season. Probably the best game on the ice tonight is going to be the Rangers and the Devils from Madison Square Garden. The Rangers, a little bit of uh, unlucky puck luck, if you will, the past uh, two games. They lose to the Ducks uh, last week where they completely dominated the game. They hit six posts. And they lose that game 3-2. to two, And then they lose to the Oilers on Friday in, in a game where they had a 3 nothing lead going into the third period. And they allowed four third period goals. 
To me, this is a Rangers team that just isn't right right now, going up against one of the best teams in all of hockey, the Devils, who, after their first loss in forever, bounced back with back-to-back wins over the Sabres and the Capitals. Jack Hughes had his first NHL hat trick in that win over the Capitals. This game is lined up evenly at minus 110 each way. Seems like a gift for me on the Devils. And World Cup action, uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, Cameroon, Serbia will be over. South Korea, Ghana will be going on. So the two games later on, uh, Brazil and Switzerland and Portugal, Uruguay. What a pronunciation that was. Beautiful. Um, Mac, you got a play on any of these games? Yeah, like Uruguay, however you want to say it. Say Uruguay. 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 Last time I'll try it. Uruguay. (laughs) Okay. Close enough, right? (laughs) I think these are pretty much even teams. We've seen a lot of overreactions in the World Cup. Spain wins 7-0 against Costa Rica. Costa Rica wins the next game, even though all the money came in against them. I think that's what's going on here. Portugal, Uruguay, Uruguay, even teams coming into the tournament despite the first round of matches. I still think they're even getting a half goal. I'll take it. I think Portugal always gets the Cristiano Ronaldo tax anyway. Definitely. Just because he's the most popular player in the world, you can you can say. So they're always going to get money. So I think you're right. Maybe Uruguay. or How about a draw? That would be a full cash. Beautiful. 1-1 one, one draw. Take it to the bank. <laughs> well, if you want to jump on board with a pick best bet from maybe it's McKenzie, AJ, myself, Fezzik, anybody over at pregame.com, Sleepy, whoever, we're going to give you a discount. What are we giving out, AJ? 20% off any. 20, 20% off anything at pregame.com? Anything. So that could be used for a daily package or a season-long sure. subscription? I said anything. Okay. Anything you at heard pregame.com. Me. And we gave out the Thanksgiving promo codes last week. We remember Gobble and Gobble Guy. Yep, everyone, yep, yep. everyone had a lot of That's fun That's all with gone, those. though. The turkey's all ate up. Turkey's all... Oh, there's always room The turkey's all ate up. There's still some mashed potatoes and gravy. Yes. There's still some rolls left over. They're probably getting hard. They better eat they them in a hurry. Left. I ate all the rolls. Oh, okay. Well, shocker. They want you to take the rolls. Uh, <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> <laughs> Boy Meets World. Uh, <laughs> here's what we're going to do. Promo code is going to be leftovers... 20. Leftovers. We all love leftovers, Who right? doesn't? Everyone. Did you make, like, a sandwich with your leftovers? No, I ate my ice. My turkey. Listen, Scott, I made a good turkey. He did. You don't make a sandwich out of this turkey. You, like, you this, just, ain't, this ain't sandwich This turkey. ain't sandwich turkey. This is you eat it by itself. Turkey. No, see, what I do is I take the leftover rolls, I put the turkey on with the gravy and the cranberry. You, my turkey didn't else. need gravy. I'm, oh, okay. All right. Good for you. Some some of us are pros. Every turkey needs gravy. No, no, no. Mackenzie, did my turkey need gravy? No. It was moist. It was delicious. It was was chef's kiss. You like it, the juice? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I get you more juice. (laughs) So, Leftovers20 is the promo code. Anything you'd like at pregame.com. Jump on board. Leftovers20. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow straight out of Vegas. A.M.